Alrighty, Pints of Popcorn podcast coming out here this week with Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, it's just the usual spoiler warning. If you haven't seen it and you don't want to spoil by our chat, go and watch it. And we do talk about the uh, the graphic novels that the film is based on a bit as well. So, you know, any spoiler warnings you're worried about in regards to the world of Scott Pilgrim, do go and uh, take in whatever um, material you want to before you come back to this one. But otherwise, do go right ahead and listen to it. Um, and as per usual, just uh, keep in mind Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. Um, links in the show notes for donations. And, uh, you know, this is an ongoing ongoing fight for equality. So let's keep on the momentum. Anyway, let's get on with the pod. All right, Shay, are you ready? Shay? Shay! We're pints of popcorn, and we're here to make you think about death and get sad and stuff. <laughs> Hey, what's up? I'll leave you alone forever now. You know this one girl with hair like this? Yes, that's Ramona Flowers. She's out of your league. You know her? Tell me now. She just moved here. Got a job at Amazon. I have to order something really cool. Scott, are you waiting for the package you just ordered? Maybe. Scott Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. That's okay. You should just sign for this, all right? So do you want to go out sometime? If I say yes, will you sign for your damn package? So, yeah, 8 o'clock? Come to this Battle of the Bands thing. You have a band? Yeah, we're terrible. One, two, three, four! Mr. Pilgrim! I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? Wait, we're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. Mm-mm. What was that all about? If we're gonna date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. So what you're saying is we are dating? I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. Scott Pilgrim! Prepare to feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. Ramona dated twins. At the same time. If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Combo. Break out the L word. Lesbian? The other L word. Lesbians? Getting a life. You want to fight me for her? Why on earth would you want to do that? Because I'm in love with her. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Maybe next time we don't date the girl with 11 evil ex-boyfriends. Okay. Oh, that's not that bad. Alrighty, Pints of Popcorn back at the uh, more usual time. We've done a couple of my night times, Shay's mornings, and now we're back to Shay being nighttime and me doing morning drinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, I, I like 12, it this 30, way, yeah. but I'll do it anyway. We have to do it as long as we can both drink a bit. That's what she said. <laughs> no. Good God. Terrible start. Start over. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Speaking of drinking, I got in my cups for LA Confidential yeah. early in the morning. <laughs> well, that was what was that like ten o'clock your time that we did? Uh, which LA Confidential will be releasing? Um, I'll be releasing that tomorrow night. But 
Yeah. Right, but by the time they hear this, it'll be released. Yes, exactly. <laughs> time is a flat circle. I don't yeah. believe in the concept also of time, concept, so I'm just going to say the pot is there. Shout out to Darius in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just want him to let me measure that tree. <laughs> He's in one callback. Yeah, probably could do a couple of episodes just on Atlanta seasons. But um, before we get into the meat of this pod, which is uh, 2010 Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which is going to be a fun one. Um, I've got four beers here. I'm going to read out what they are. They're all from Pirate Life Brewing in South Australia here. But I've got a wide variety of flavors here, and you're going to help me pick the first one that I drink on the pod. Yes, <laughs> do it. So I've got, I think I had this one last week on the pod as well. It's the Masala Spiced Porter. I got to see the cans as well. All right, all right. I'll hold them up. So we've got the Masala Spiced Porter. It's a pound, okay. it's a pound of can. And then, and that one's... Pirate Life. Yep. Six point the brewer. <laughs> 6.4%. Then we've got the Pirate Life Strata Amarillo, which is 7%. Like that looks like a Miami Heat uh, alternative. Yeah, yeah, Vice Nights. Uh, we got the they just got their standard pale ale, which is five point four percent. Still nice and healthy. looks very northeastern. Looks yeah. like something the dock workers would <laughs> would order. And this one I haven't had before yet, but um, it's an well. Uh, let's go with that one then. Obviously. <laughs> well, this is an acai. Is that how, is that how do you say uh, is that how you say acai? I think I've read it that way. I don't know. You're Australian. Yeah. You know, I'll just. Aussie. Like an acai bowl? It's an Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> an Aussie for the Aussie. Yeah. It's um, an acai and passion fruit, passion fruit sour. I don't yeah, think I've honestly had this sounds one. terrible to me, but I would try it. Yeah, we'll I would look. go with that one. Yeah, we'll start with that one. We'll start, we'll start with some funky flavors because we're getting into a movie that's got a lot of... I guess you could say if you're going to call it a flavor flavor palette of a movie, it is it is funky and all over the place. So in, the, mean, be- the, in the best way. The start of the boss battle for X3... He says he wants to get funky, yeah. so we're going to get funky. <laughs> well, yeah. I, myself, am uh, drinking Fresh. By New- uh, It's a New England IPA. Um, Nipas. Avarium, Alvarium is the brewing company. It's based in New Britain, Connecticut. Um, it's not bad. A New England IPA from New Britain? From New Britain? <laughs> Everything is New Britain, or it ends in Haven out here. So... <laughs> Except Wallingford. <laughs> that is a very that is a very British name, though. When you it think, is. When you think yeah. of it, like I can imagine that just being some random that that like being the town that they go to in Hot Fuzz. Or I think something. we like the township was established in like sixteen twenty one, so <laughs> <laughs> it's very well it could be very British, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know where Bristol comes from, but Bristol, Bristol City in yeah. England. So. Yeah, we have the same shit here. We're like. It's just a whole lot of British influence because, you know, colonizing. Prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, a film. I'm is... sure Toronto does as well, which is where this movie takes place. Yeah, yeah. Um, More just, French. Yeah. It's Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, we haven't probably done a movie quite as just straight up fun as this yet on the pod, but we decided we needed some levity to the, um, you know, obviously. We are const- thoughts constantly with everything going on around the world, but we all love a good movie that takes us away from, you know, just gives us a few hours of uh, of a breather from the problems of the real world. And Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is certainly one that I've come back to a few times since I've seen it. Um, Very rewatchable movie. Maybe yeah. the most rewatchable movie we've done, just um, where you can pick it up wherever it is. 
I mean, yeah. I would argue Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is that way too, but it hasn't made the rounds yet. But yeah. Scott Pilgrim is definitely a film where you can pick it up wherever you grab it and uh, you'll definitely have a good time. Yeah, and considering how the pace of the movie is kind of relentless and like um, how quick the you know how quick it just jumps from scene to scene and uh, and but yet you're you're right you can just if you you jump into it and because um, I watched it a couple of times this week and one of those times was I got home from work put it on but fell asleep because I was just fucking knackered and then um, <laughs> um, but then I just like you know because you Apple TV remembers where you were last at I just turned it on I was like oh yeah yep yeah, cool it was like you know. There's the, 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 right. 20, the 2020 version of rewatchable, which is just press and play on your on your whatever your box you have to watch movies on, but it, it was like the same thing. I just immediately jumped back into it, and it wasn't an issue. Where sometimes, you know, you do watch a movie, you have to like, if I stop halfway through, uh, you know, Goodfellas, I have to go back to the start again. I can't watch that one as yeah, or like like yeah. going to movies we've done. Like you don't want to hop into Midsommar. <laughs> yeah. Other than the yeah. Cause that movie needs or... to, in, that movie needs to kind of infect you from the start and get you into that and slowly get you into that, um, you know, induced drug induced kind of mindset. Whereas yeah, Scott Pilgrim's just that it is very, there's a lot going on in Scott Pilgrim. I'm not going to, um, like in insult it. Um, unless like by saying that it's, um, very, like you can jump in cause it's so it doesn't have much substance cause there is a lot going on both. And there's a lot, you know, a lot of that comes from obviously the original comic book that it's based on, um, which was just called the Scott, I think they're just called Scott Pilgrim and then they got different subtitles for each, each issue of the, the first one is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. And then, then they have like game of Thrones titles. <laughs> um, yeah. as you know, like, the second, funny, vo- the like, second volume is versus the world. There you go. Good point. <laughs> no, you were close. Why, I was just going to read. I've got him up. So you got Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life and Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Scott Pilgrim and the Infinite Sadness, which we can all relate with and relate to. <laughs> and Scott Scott Pilgrim gets it together. Scott Pilgrim versus the Universe and Scott Pilgrim's Finest Hour is the fo- volume six where it finishes on. So this film basi- right. basically covers the entire six volume of these um, uh, comic books, or is it? Are they called gra- they graphic novels? Um, yeah, it's a comic book. Yeah, I mean they like play like they play jokes about. Um, I think right before it's the second when he gets a life in the end scene before he fights Gideon again. Mm. Um, when he walks in, the guy who knows everything says, "Oh, the comic book is much better than the movie." Yeah. So I think like that's a nice little nod to it being a comic book, mm. and it really does feel like I mean, graphic novel is just a way that people church up the idea that it's a comic book yeah well, like, just, it's, 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 it's all the same yeah well they are it's just graphic novels are more like you know they're often more like a novel and they, they they're, they're for adults yeah but yeah and there are adult themes in the comic book but it's still extremely uh sophomoric i would say yeah. after just read um the first two volumes today which yeah. i wish i would have read all of them if i would have known they were all online until today i would have jumped on it yeah same i was thinking i was thinking i should order it i was like oh, i'm not gonna get you know then it was just yeah but yeah we, we've both had a pretty They're good, quick read yeah we've both been reading over them a bit today and I, I i read a couple of different ones than you did um so we kind of have a bit of a handle on and it's and certainly i made i kind of found the parts of the book in particular um the novels that kind of spot well that would mirror images of what happened on film essentially and it is amazing how good of a job just to, to start off our chat about it how good of a job they did in adapting 
the the comic style of the books as well as the pacing of how conversations happen and you know obviously Edgar Wright um I think he came onto this like he was contacted kind of after Shaun of the Dead um in as far as adapting these and get, and making a movie out of Scott Pilgrim and you can certainly uh, Shaun of the Dead does have these really great quick cuts and um as he's got his obviously all of his films his really. unique style but you know that that being a film they, they'd seen to get him on board with this one um his unique style was just perfect for this film. Um, I can't imagine another filmmaker doing, doing the justice to Scott. Pir- like, um, and I'll talk about later on about you know we, we were talking off air beforehand about some of the things that were in the in the graphic novels that didn't come into the film. But um, and we'll talk about that later. But just as far as the he can't get everything. No, in, exactly. So. But the style and the style and how how much it feels like a comic book on screen, but at the same time is such a cinematic film at the same time. Just how we mar- married and mashed that together to make it so perfect is um, really quite an achievement. Right, and then even bringing in, which the comic books kind of hint at, but bringing in the video game world, which yeah. is obviously a core of Scott Pilgrim and his crew, and just like, just kind of the audience that um, the graphic novels were trying to hit at. Um, obviously, video games are going to be a big part of it. And so bringing in that video game vibe to this film um it kind of flopped at the box office because i don't think people really knew what i don't really think they marketed it the right way i guess um it's definitely like you said a lot deeper than it appears at face Mm -hmm. value but it's also just a nod to so many different things in our culture that the people that would really appreciate that didn't get that out of the previews that were going into it. I certainly did. I mean, this movie came out 10 years ago. I was uh, 21. Mm-hmm. And I, it didn't seem that interesting to me. And then I saw it a year later, actually, right when I moved to Oregon, I saw it and I just fell in love with it. Um, and that just shows me that, uh, you know, they didn't market it the right way. Yeah, yeah. I remember when it came out of the cinema and I maybe, I can't even honestly say i had a passing interest at the film i just remember seeing an ad for it thing and uh, no whatever okay i'll you know i just don't right remember. and then it was just on tv one day it was one of those classic it's on um and i'm sitting there like i was in college so i had plenty of time to watch a movie that i and it just started and immediate i think because it just it started and kind of caught my interest and i kept ending this by by it was probably 15 minutes in i was like i fucking love this movie like straight away i was like i'm in it has an incredibly slow start i will say that i hadn't seen the start of it forever and yeah. I've watched it twice now in the past couple of days. And the start of it is, I mean, that's how the comic starts literally yeah. verbatim, but yeah, it's a really slow start. So I can see how people would be turned off on by that. Yeah. See, also, I, whether yeah. it's the style of how even, even if it's a slow start, I was in straight away. I was just like, this is like, and whether I was knew I was going to like, but I, I just remember thinking this, this, there's a different style going on here. I, I think I picked up on that early when I watched it. Um, and, and I probably watched it a similar time to you did. Like it was probably, it, within a year or two after it came out of the cinema. But there was just something that grabbed me from the start. And then, you know, by, you know, you get into the film and then get into the the fights against the evil exes and stuff. And just, it was that, you know, it, it's one of those seminal moments where you, you remember watching a film and going, this is something I haven't seen before. Um and that's what you, you you watch movies to have those experiences here and there. Even you know, not every, every movie is going to give you it and doesn't make it a bad movie nor a very memorable one. But this was one where it was particularly like a unique experience to watch and and enjoy. Yeah, and it just really hints on a lot of well, not hints. It, it hits you over the head with a lot of things in 
uh, pop culture in 2010 that, you know, if it, it kind of made you feel special, I guess. Like if you knew that you were in on the joke, cause there are the, so like, it's so detailed. It's so in depth about like in credit to Edgar Wright on that is filling in all those details and making them jump off the screen, just like the comic does, because the comic has even more. I'm looking at it in the background right now as we mm. FaceTime and they're smashing pumpkin CD, just drawn into it in a little frame. Like yeah. it's the infinite sadness, um, album and it's just like that's just a little detail so Edgar is the perfect director for a movie like this because that's a dude that loves every single little detail mm. and as the viewer that's um really what you like to see and I can't imagine the people who read the comics before this seeing it though there does seem to be a little bit of a divide online um about the film versus the book you yeah. know how it always how it always goes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it, since you've brought it up, we can talk about that now. Um, and we'll get it. Obviously, we'll talk plenty about how much we love it. But and I will defend the film on the front about that. I'm about to say that some people and well, look, the one I didn't read too much into the negative stuff because you can just get your head wrapped into it, and it's, um, and it's kind of you know, reading a few gives me an idea of what people's um, ideas were when the film came out. Oh, I read a bunch of it. <laughs> I'm fine. Like. <laughs> Whatever, I like it. Down and the rabbit like, hole. Yeah. yeah. The one guy, one guy had a really good level-headed one where he kind of, um, and it was just, I can't remember, I saw it Reddit, Google, wherever. Um, he said that the film was, he really enjoyed it, um, but it was, it didn't convey, because the entire series of graphic novels really is Scott Pilgrim's journey from being a selfish young twat to realizing um, <laughs> his actions through relationships, whether they be with friends or um, or certainly the uh, girlfriends in his life, uh, you know, journeying through realizing you are, you know, he 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 went through feeling he was perfect and he was wronged in every situation, didn't do anything wrong, and kind of. But it like, was like ignorance. Yes, not it was ignorance. Yeah, it was ignorance. He didn't know what he was doing. You yeah. know, not what you do to quote the Bible. Boom, get that Christian audience. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I thought about that a lot. It's like. I'll let you, but I'll let you finish your thoughts. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that they, they hit their criticism was it didn't. You kind of go through a lot of the film. He is just uh, he is just kind of aloof and ignorant, to, Ob- oblivious to, to the to how he's affecting these uh, you know girls' lives as well as his, his bandmates as well. Like he's just you know he's you know when he leaves practice because he's like Ramona turns up and it's just like oh, whatever I'm gone. And um, yeah, but, and yeah. bands are worse than relationships. Uh, just for the right like. They make you feel guiltier. They make... All right. This is going to... All right. It's funny. I... Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, being in a band is a lot like being in a relationship, and I'll stop it there. <laughs> so... And I think this film does that justice, which is something that I think a lot of the detractors don't really get. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the, the just to finish that point, the, the criticism was that... They weren't sure the film had done enough of a job of showing how where Scott got to by the end of the film. It does. He does. You know, get the power of understanding and 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 you know gets uh, and love and and love and apologizes to Knives and Ramona. Um, so I think it's there. It's just probably not as powerful as it is in the the graphic novel. So I, while I, the guy probably had a valid point. I'm also like, it's they smashed six volumes of a graphic novel series into a two-hour film 
Um, right, but they also so. made the film before they finished the graphic novel series. Yes, that so too. They yeah. kind of forced the hands on the graphic novel series. Yeah. But, uh, and they, look, they did a better job of ending it than some other things have lately that had unfinished books. Right, exactly. <laughs> that same, uh, yeah. yeah. And so I, I mean, there I, was an alternate ending to it that they tested and people didn't like. So, you know, that's how... That's how movies go these days. So. Yeah, and that's um, well, we can, we can get into that now. Um, I mean, if you want to get into that, already, I, I, I know you're I know you're a knives chow stand, so um, we'll get into it. Uh, I, it makes me sound creepy. I would just like everyone. That's, to no, know that's that the, the actress you're... who plays knives chow is five years older than me, <laughs> and when the movie came out, she was still five years older than me, and I have. You mean a that crush doesn't change over the years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Time is a flat circle. We're getting a lot of that in today. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had a crush on knives forever since I've saw this. Since I saw this film. Yeah. Look. Yeah. They certainly touch on in both the graphic novels and and the film that it's it's kind of you know it's odd and um, they don't go super into it being creepy, but they certainly do nod to the fact that Scott's an idiot for dating a high schooler. So as a twenty, right. And I don't know the laws in Canada. Not that they matter, but it's like yeah. when you're that young. Like, yeah, I don't know. And he just treats her like shit, so mm-hmm. it's like extremely problematic. And when I say I have a crush on knives, I mean the, the girl character. that played uh, yeah, in the film yeah. who is older than me. Yeah. So I just need to, because like if this movie was made today, there would be so many differences in it. There's some really problematic stuff in it. <laughs> <laughs> there is an R bomb. Um, which also takes place in the comics, so they're just trying staying mm. true to it. Yeah, but, uh, they say stay very literal to a lot of conversations in the comics, which is great. And they got the smash cuts right of how those conversations kind of were very quick and snappy. Um, right, was, was and then like just like there's so much like weight on Wallace being gay that it's like it's over like ten years later from when it was made. It's like I, I mean I I remember 2010. Mm. Obviously, we were adults. And 2010 yeah. happened, and uh, that is kind of how it was, and it was something to laugh at. But now looking back on it, it just feels like, oh man, that sucks. Yeah, it sucks that it's that, that 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 is where we were at. Yeah, but it's also I I I did think about that when I was watching the film too. Um, we'll get back to knives in a sec, but I I like the fact that they also didn't. I'll always get back to knives. <laughs> so. I also like the fact that they the the gay thing was very seen. Like he was a great character and um. And was kind of his own, but it wasn't a, there wasn't a stereotype about, there wasn't a, he was gay and they mentioned that at multiple times. It wasn't taboo. Yeah, it was like, he was just one, he was just one of the guys that was also gay. And they mentioned it a bunch. Right, but it also like made him cool. Yeah. And like when he's just. Which in 2010 was I like, like, I love when he, he, when he, when they're at the, uh, at the first show where he, where um, Scott fights Matthew Patel. And, um, you know, he just picks up on Stacey Pilgrim, um, who's Anna Kendrick's character. So, you know, shout out to, shout out to the goat. Um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she just turns around and she's like, well, it's not again. Like, it's just like, it's normal that he's going to yeah. pick up on it. And in the books, like, it's somewhat like that. It's similar. Yeah. Because at first in the books, it says that, like, it shows him doing that and she gets mad. Mm-hmm. And then it says, I think she says something like, I can't believe you're doing this again, which is even funnier. Mm. Like, it's just funnier than how they did it in the movie. But, you know, in a movie, you got to smash all that together. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what? I will say that the uh, Patel song is fucking awful. Yeah. I think it's the low point. I think it's the low point of the film. 
And like they have. Lines I'm assuming in that's it, intentional. Or in the book, or is that like how it is? In the, I, don't I don't know. The lead singer of Sex Bomb says that he's good when he talks about his fireballs, and it's like, oh yeah, dude, this is awful. <laughs> this is so bad. It is a weird like just, his singing and everything is odd, but. I think everything else that they do in it musically was great, but I think his song is awful. Yeah. And maybe it is supposed to be awful on purpose. Yeah. But in the books, they don't really uh, portray it that way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I, The whole lead up to the, and again, this is another moment of um, the great adaption from book to screen that they did with the, uh, the graphic novel panels is when um, one of my... Michael Cera was perfect for this role. He's very he's often gets stereotyped into into a lot of different the roles. The internet would argue with you. Oh, would they? Uh, I who, agree with you. Who would, I agree who, with you completely. Okay, we'll get we'll get into that. That's, no, tell me if now. If you're going to ask who would be a be, who would have been better, Shay Carlson. Okay. Back in 2010, <laughs> I would have killed that role. <laughs> Probably not acting wise, but uh I mean that I is, that that's is who, kind of a fundamental part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, hey, you guys all heard it at the start of the pod. I can say that, uh, you know, I'll make you think about death and get sad and, and stuff. stuff. <laughs> I that, like That's basically being friends with me. <laughs> so, like, yeah. But uh, Michael Sarah, yeah, I think he was the perfect choice in 2010 for it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine who else would be. And um, to a lesser note, since we're, we're talking about Wallace, um, a little bit is Kieran Culkin, who has yeah. now had like Second Life with Succession and everything. Yeah. You know, Kieran's done a lot of stuff, but in but Succession has made him famous because he plays a real creepy, like one of the little Trumpite dickhead sons, mm. troglodyte. But uh, um, he plays somebody like that in Succession. So it's funny to watch this now. I hadn't seen this now after watching Succession, and now it's just funny to see him. And he's just like, yeah, because he plays such a smug little prick in uh succession and just seeing him playing like a smug guy still but like a nice smug guy <laughs> he's nice yeah he lets yeah he kind of he kind of he kind of forces scott's hand in growing up at certain times like when he's when he's just like you gotta move out like this right. is part of like you know part of you growing up is like you've got to stop being a fucking freeloader which um, right Ramona and we've all had older friends like that in our yeah. lives that have been, or, and the people who haven't who are listening to this it's like you fucking missed out because like having older friends who bust your balls at every level and like make you feel stupid at every level they're actually good for you yeah it fucking sucks super hard I'm not saying it's the easiest life but like it's super important <laughs> in my opinion, honestly yeah. but I come that's an only child I, siblings are different so yeah yeah um I don't know how Stacey... Well, Stacey Pilgrim was busting his balls in different ways. She was more blunt about it. Uh, she was... She calls him little brother, and they cover that in the books. Yeah. She's like... She's like... They actually cover it because no, we She's the one that's got... She's the younger air. sister. She's, what, 18 or not? She's eight. Is she 18 she's in the movie? 19 in the books. 19 in the books. Um, but Pilgrim's 23 in the books. So they, like, moved it down, I think, to make it less probably creepy in america <laughs> 22 and 17 rather than 23 and 17 for some reason it's still creepy regardless but yeah. um so um i'm thinking edgar wishes he could probably could have done that differently but he was staying true to the books look i but, think uh, i think as far as uh if he's going to adapt this properly and hopefully try and have as many of the fans inside as possible as you got to stay pretty true to the books 
Um, right, and also takes place in Canada, which yeah. has I don't know their laws up there, and obviously, why would I know their laws? Because I'm not like trying to date young, yeah. like who like who gives a shit? Like I assume their laws are different than ours, but maybe they're close to the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I yeah going back to Michael Sarah's casting, I think like he's obviously we know him well from um like the rest of development. He's great in and plays you know the. He's just he's just he's done na- super bad. Yeah, super bad, point. and all of these yeah, super bad is again just. That was his big one. Yeah, and that was like a couple of years before this. So, um, but he's he just does have uh, three years before this, I believe. Yeah. Sorry, this yeah, is no, like my was. this is like my like going from being like a teen into a man year, so I remember it very well. <laughs> I think Michael Sarah and I are very close in age. Yeah, without doing, I could get unless he was playing somebody younger. Which yeah. is possible, um, but his uh, he was yeah. I can't imagine anyone else playing the role because even just his his delivery of line, like he really does the deadpan. Like reading the graphic novels, the dead like his kind of aloof way of delivering the lines that are very you know, like I said, the ones that are very straight from the novel. Like when he's he's like, oh, this computer says I've got mail. Hey, I'm now reading the mail. Nah, <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> oh, it's boring. Uh, it's yeah. It's it's. It's boring. Delete. Like, and that's like exactly like from the pages of the of the graphic novel, and it's just really right. Um, and I just think he del- like all of those moments. Um, especially I I messaged you off air about this a couple of hours ago when he um the uh clash at demon head versus uh sex bob little conversation in the green room or whatever it was. Right. Awkwardness when these uh, kind of tensions are escalating, and he finally gets up and says, "You cocky cock." It's just <laughs> yeah. like. When I read the graphic novel and just and I, I was picturing his, voice, I was just like, it's it just matches well for me. Um, you know, some people find you know, Michael Sarah is one of those actors who has a style that I can imagine is grating for some. Um, but I, you know, I don't. I try to let roles speak for themselves. If I like a film and and the person played the role how it was meant to be, then I yeah, and I think he did a great job. Well, the internet says that he was too awkward, which I think adds to the character. I think him being awkward adds more to the character than him being like an aloof asshole. Mm-hmm. I think him being like awkward makes it better. Um, and him like actually being excited, like when he gets to second and a half base or wait, first and a half, whatever they says yeah. <laughs> with the Seinfeld theme playing. And it's just like being excited about that is dope rather than like, he, kind does, of the, the he does the Kramer, Kramer kick really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. And that's why like Michael Sarah killed it. And, Michael Sarah gets like. I relate Michael. Sar- All right, we're going inside baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I relate um, Michael Sarah kind of like to indie music in this same era when this movie came out around 2010. Um, whether you want to go all the way back to like 2006 to when Superbad was being filmed, it came out in 07. But that whole era from like. 05 to 2011, which is randomly six years. I don't know why I picked that. Maybe, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. But uh, he just kind of represents that era in a nutshell as an actor. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think he was the perfect actor for this because he, like, was showcasing what was cool at the time. Or, like, not cool to everybody, but, like, there was a certain sect of people who really gravitated towards a person like Michael Sarah and his character in Scott Pilgrim in those five years, six years. So I think he was great in it. And I think 
it's a time capsule to what time was like in American society. So yeah. if people want to criticize him, like that's their own bullshit. And if you want to talk about, oh, he's not that way in the book, he's more confident. It's like, well, if he was more confident, I probably would like him less, to be honest with you. I, and he, there is a confidence to his character in the comic books, but there's also, to me, reading them. And, and look, you've got to always, I will preface this by saying I do understand I've gone from watching the movie to the comic book. So I've had the opposite, opposite, opposite so, run to, yeah. So you, I, I understand that your biases are automatically influenced by what you've, what form of the media you've taken in first. But so you kind of always, you know, portraying them onto the character, but there's a lot of moments in the comic where he's sweating and just doesn't know what to do. Like, and he's just like, that's and, fair. And, and that is fair. And, yeah. he, and he says, and he says weird, awkward things in the book. Like, I was telling you about um, in volume six where he where he meets up with Knives Chow and and he and she's like I'm eighteen now. I stand knives. I stand knives. <laughs> and she's like I'm, I'm I'm eighteen now. And he's like dancing around it for a second. And because it, previous to that he'd been having a conversation with Wallace, who was just like, "Go out and just get some because you're you're moping about Ramona," um, which is also just like in 2020, just a toxic yeah mindset. It um, is that men- but. You know, we've got to understand that that's their, their characters playing the role of, and and particularly what. Right, and again, yeah, yeah. it has nothing to do with the actors or anything yeah. like that. I'm but, just saying, like, the mindset is toxic. Yeah, but he's just like, and he's just like, go out and meet meet a girl, and you know, if you, and it was portrayed in a way of like, if she wants to go home with you, and you guys have like a good night, and that's there's nothing toxic about that to me. I just also think it's like through the eyes of a man who happens to be homosexual, which is like, yeah. Well, he, he is very good at going. I'm out. actually he's... just not even gonna try to touch on that <laughs> with a ten foot pole because, like, I don't want to get canceled in like five years for what I say about it. Yeah, no, it's it's. No, like... I'm pro. I'm. Hey, it's Pride Month, and I'm all for that. What I'm saying is, I don't want to put words in um, gay men's mouths. Yeah. But all I mean, right. This got way out of my hands. I was just gonna th- we just raise up us. We know <laughs> everyone knows that we're genuine where we're, where we're coming from on these things. So it's like, I think. Yeah, in the in the comic book, uh, you know, he's just like Wallace is trying to get because Scott's sitting at home, just constantly playing his. It's like a little PSP, like the little handheld PlayStation. Which reading the graphic novel, I was like, yeah, I've got one of those. Like it's sitting in a box here and hasn't worked in about ten years. But cool little like moment for you know the video game nerd fans in there. But, um, but I remember those all days. He's, yeah, all he's doing is moping at home, not doing anything because he's moping about Ramona, who in the graphic novel is you know he's been apart from for a while. Um, and, you know, Wallace is just saying, he's just trying to get him out. And then we do it. We all do that with friends. We just go out and, you know, talk to girls at bars. Like, you know, it's not, nothing has to be creepy about it. You just go up and if a girl wants to have a conversation with you at a bar. And, um, you know, that's another thing. You have to normalize going out, having fun. And if you go home with a person you've just met that has, and they have a, like, good night, then it's like, and it's consensual and both have a good time. That's a great thing, too. So That's perfectly normal. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's what he's, he's, so, but then he meets up with Knives and she says, I'm 18. Or it's my 18th birthday or something that comes up. And he's like, he dances around it and sweats and like, he's like, so, okay. And then he just blurts out, do you want to have casual sex? <laughs> and this, and so that, that to me is like very awkward. And exactly Michael Sarah as some, is the actor you can pick making that kind of awkward transition from dancing around it to just blurting out a line that com- is not going to work, but... That's the actor I would imagine in that role. So I, I, I mean, uh, and it's also like the same line when he says, "Like, can we make this not a one night stand?" I didn't get any anyway. 
<laughs> and, like, uh, and then immediately says, oh, that was a joke. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's a bad joke, dude. Yeah. But again, that's what awkward Burby guys in that situation is. Just... Yeah, I've said probably worse. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he's I yeah he's great. But then the Knives Chow, um, again, we've, we started on her, but I thought I'd let you have a bit more of a, a stand to just say your... You were, you were saying off air to me, I think yesterday or the day before, that, that she has probably one of the best arcs in the film. And I think she, had, reading the graphic novels, I think it's very much there as well. Um, She does... This movie is about Scott Pilgrim's growth and so are the books, but it actually knives Chow's growth. I care more about her. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's better. I, I, like, I think she has like a chance to be a really good person. Yeah. I think Scott has a chance to be an okay person, but he's battling to just be okay, whereas I think Knives, like... I think Knives learned a lot from Scott throughout the film mm-hmm. and learned a lot about herself and learned about, like, what not to be, I guess, and le- learned that, like... I think a big moment in your life, um, regardless of age, is when your idols kind of let you down mm-hmm. um, in any capacity. Um, I, I guess I don't know if mine really have. But, I mean... I can understand it, but like a microcosm of that is in the film with Todd knocking the highlights out of her hair. Knock the <laughs> highlights out of her hair. Yeah, that is some awful acting. <laughs> truly, truly bad. Can't I, believe Edgar went with that cut. I'm Neil. <laughs> I just enjoy that, and it took me forever to like young Neil. Yeah, you just flip that around. Neil Young? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm stupid. I'm sorry. Okay? <laughs> was that one of your I was today years old when moments? Yeah, but it like wasn't like recently. It was yeah. like later 20s. I think I was watching it with my dad for the first time, which um, just like going back to kind of like where we started this podcast is like where you can just jump in on it and stuff or it's just like just enjoyable and you wouldn't necessarily think it would be enjoyable out of the start like i remember telling my dad about it um he flipped to it one day and was like what do you know about this i was like oh it's really good like you watch it and he was like kind of skeptical mm-hmm. you know like a baby boomer like a guy watching fucking scott pilgrim but he like 10 minutes in he's hooked yeah and you know he's about to be 64 years old but i don't know when we watched it it was probably like three years ago, four years ago, mm-hmm. but whatever. He was in his sixties and I was like, yeah, just give it like, give it 10 minutes. And he watched it and he was immediately hooked. And he was like, at the end of it, it was like, it was really good. It's a good film. It's, um, it just, it just doesn't know what it wants to be. I think is the problem. Well, with, but, the, with this movie, is it, um, we bounced away from the knives chow again. I gotta, I gotta let you, I mean, I've said what yeah. I have to say about Nine Chow. She has the best. I'll 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 give you a, a newspaper article about it real quick. Nine Chow gets her heart broken by a guy who didn't deserve her in the first place. Realizes that, but still understands what love is because she loved him. Mm-hmm. But now that she knows what love is, she knows how to actually handle love, which she couldn't do before Scott. So it sucks that. It didn't work out with Scott, but it's also better because she's definitely going to end up with somebody better. I mean, Wallace says it in the book and the movie that says uh, he doesn't deserve you. 
at the end of it, she straight up says, I'm cooler than you. And that's that's the thesis statement of Knives Chow. Yeah. Is, I'm cooler than you anyway. And like that, a 17-year-old telling a 22-year-old, we're so fucking old now that we can't um, remember what it's like to be those ages. But like, imagine being 17 and telling a 22-year-old, I'm cooler than you. Yeah. Like that's like the coolest fucking thing you could ever do. But and she, does knives, it, she does it in the sweetest way possible to be like, it's like her I voice, know, and her it voice, makes her even cooler. <laughs> it's her voice fucking... is just loaded with such like such a level of sweetness and caring for Scott in that moment that she lets him down in the most gentle way. Like you know, I don't why know did I date she... girls? Why did I date the ones that I dated? Good God, <laughs> they let me down on a field of tax and gasoline. Jeez, oh, <laughs> shit stings. Um, it hurts. <laughs> I will finish off with like just that graphic novel I already talked about at the moment where Scott awkwardly tries to proposition her um, completely. Oh yeah, it but, sounds awful. But Glad I haven't got. But that, no, but it ends in it, like what it moves on to is knives and the, him having conversation outside of wherever they are, and she kind of just says, "Like I'm, I'm like past this now. I'm you know trying to work out how how to be alone and be." Yeah, and be, and, be, and be happy with myself like she says i'm trying to i'm trying to be happy alone and and work out who i am as a person myself i'm going off to university that's so adult um and i'm just like and then she even says she says i still love you but i'm I, i'm over you and that's like such a profound moment in the graphic novels for scott which again like is part of part of that little bit of criticism that um while i don't fully agree i get it like the guy that said that the movie doesn't quite get to the level of depth that the graphic novels do which again running times and all that but it, yeah, that just moment for knives in the graphic novels, as well as the film, as you've obviously um, well put out in your in your thesis before, is that she really does grow as a grow as a person throughout the process of Scott Pilgrim's journey. Right, and she loves Scott Pilgrim, and he didn't love her back because he yeah. only loved himself at the start of the journey. And well, that's he even like says, what he's he, like, like it, when he learns self dignity. That's when he learns that he could actually hurt people. Yeah, he didn't realize that like people could love him without him being loved. And boy. Boy, do I relate to that shit. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, not good in quarantine. But, you know, like, let's not go down that road because I don't want to be linked to Scott Pilgrim because good good. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's highly problematic. Yeah. He's a mess. I, I, why do I always why do I always <laughs> what quote was Zach that accent? That was Zach. What was that accent? I've never heard you do that before. I've done it on I pod hope before. To never I hear think. you do it again. <laughs> it's Zach Galifianakis in the campaign where he's like, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't do accents field. well. This is why I don't. I'm not. No, a, it was like a good southern accent. It was just like, what are you referencing? <laughs> <laughs> this is, the only I don't southern know how many accent in this film that. is uh, X Four. Who's the uh, woman? Who's Anne Egg? If you watch Arrested Development, <laughs> which is a nice little Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, I, wasn't she also like the daughter of the president in Independence Day? Or am I thinking of a different actor? She's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I brought it up is because she's the lone female in the X's, and I'm sure we'll get to the X's after the break. Yeah, we will, because like, we haven't even actually. Have, we have haven't even. Qu- we haven't even talked about Ramona yet, so that's a big part of the film. So. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Well, I have problems with Ramona too. So. I I have problems, and also in things I like about her character, and I think that's again going to be a criticism that'll come after the break about the film. Maybe just not quite getting may, just maybe it needed another 10 minutes. I don't know, but it could have used it. Her character, it could have used 30 more minutes. Yeah. Her character in the graphic novel is actually really great. And 
has so much more to say and calls Scott out and his shit so much more and shows her love for him more and how she's trying to help him grow more in the graphic novel. So we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, I also just like don't think the film like gets across that she like literally establishes like a highway through his brain, which you know is metaphoric. Yeah, but in the comics, it's like a literal thing. Yeah, it's a subspace thing. Takes, yeah. she, like she skates through it for, because it's easy, and like obviously you can take away from that that like women, like a woman that you're that um, isn't necessarily into you, but you're into like. She has a highway in your brain. Mm -hmm. And so it is metaphoric. But, like, in the comics, it's very real. It's a very real highway. (laughs) And she apologizes for it and everything. So um, the film doesn't quite get that across of the fact that she literally carves a... And that also that Gideon, like, literally controls her brain Mm -hmm. at the same time, too. So it's like, that's the stuff that the comic books or the graphic novel um, really hits home, where the film... You know, you want it to be realistic, but like at the same time, they you know they're playing music and you know monsters are coming out of their their amps. So yeah. like, you got to suspend disbelief, and so like she does have a literal highway through his head. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's again like we can. I mean, we can finish off before the break by talk. Uh, this is something I was going to bring up to you, which I don't think will take too long. So we'll. Are you, well, you know, we'll see. You know, I didn't talk for days. <laughs> well. <laughs> I've, I, I go two ways with this because I think um, the fact they're able to put all this into a two-hour film I think is a great, wonderful achievement and I love the film. So I don't want to say could it have been a trilogy, but then it would have I been... I think trilogy. It would have been incredible to see the depth, like how crazy you could have gone with getting all that other stuff from the graphic novels into the into the movies. But then... Like the character Lisa yeah. that we talked about. Yeah. You could have started, even if you wanted to make it two episodes or two, like a, um, yeah. Yeah, so I was thinking like a couple of graphic novels, a movie, if you wanted to go that way, like rather than doing a movie out of each one, you just do it, you know. I think go, a trilogy would be too long, but. So maybe just like, want, yeah, part one and part two. This is a sequel. Yeah, a kill But like you thing. start the sequel with Lisa and you go back in time to talk about Lisa mm-hmm. and Kim at the start of it because they don't really they brush over how like Kim and Scott's relationship a lot in it and it's like you can tell that Kim is hurt by it yeah which is Alice incre- incredible Alice Allison Pill Pill God we've, damn we've, it. we right, had this com- we had this conversation yesterday too where you uh you 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 mentioned Allison Brie in the film and I was like you mean Brie Larson <laughs> so there's Brie Larson Allison Pill uh, and Alison Brie, and Alison Brie's the and Alison Brie's the one that isn't. Try get a crush on, can't get over <laughs> in my stupid brain. Yeah, is yeah. Yeah, she does it, and she does Allison a great Bill. job with the limits. And Kim's rot, like again, it's a running time thing. It's a cut, like a you know a thing with making a movie out of all of this. I think they did a really good job of what they did with Kim in the film, like. Right, but they could have shown it more. I yeah, think. but then then if they're going to show that more, it's, it's like, hard though. Yeah, because then if you're going to if you're going to go on that films. if you're going to go on that tangent, then you've got to go down some of the other tangents, which is why then you get into the realm of got talking about two films or three films. So I think, uh, yeah, just a, yeah, Alison Peel's performance and just her stares are just fucking great. <laughs> yeah, and uh, as a man who played drums in a band, um, that some 
you get just so sick of uh, the talent sometimes. So yeah. uh, <laughs> it's just like it's just annoying, kind of. And like that's something that this film really gets across is like playing drums is annoying. <laughs> uh whatever i don't need yeah. to get into it too hard but um allison pill plays it really well mm. um i just wish i could know more about her and scott's relationship yeah. and there the film does only run 152 and so like there is a short you push, it to, you push it you push it to like 210 and you're still okay I would yeah say. there is a short um called scott pilgrim versus animation or something that is her and her and michael sarah allison pill and michael sarah in this animated thing i think it's on the dvd and the blu-ray probably and um, i'm sure you could find it on the interweb somewhere but that is actually a short that's made about their relationship so it's that's cool that they kind of tried to do it even though they didn't put it into the film they added this supplemental material to the film um, well, and they touch on it in. Well, they don't touch on it. I mean, they just feature it in the books in uh, book two, I think. Yeah, uh, that's the. I think that's what the the film is is a flashback, kind of covering that stuff from volume two. Right, and that's why if you make two films out of it, like, I mean, you could have ended with like the fourth yeah. boss battle, um, which is. I'm blanking. Oh, uh, the the female boss battle. Yeah, because you could have ended it right there and then started with a flashback, or you could have started at the scene of Scott Pilgrim ordering two gin and tonics, both for him. <laughs> um, uh, also, a thing in the books is that like Scott doesn't understand like the bad things he does. He's just like he honestly is just a person who's so like he's so narcissistic that. Hmm. he's just into him so like he says he doesn't drink all the time but he drinks all the time and yeah he just it's yeah and he even drinks like gin and tonic, gin a and bad tonics, alcoholic like, does. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah see i'm i'm a good alcoholic because I, I i absolutely admit i drink all the time yeah it's not only that i admit that i drink all the time it's that everybody knows because i'm an awful drunk <laughs> 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 Uh, no, but yeah, that's like, and I really, like, I actually relate to Scott Pilgrim's character in that sense, in a lot of senses. I think you and I both do, and that's why we picked it. I think it. that's part of self-reflection yeah. as a human being, is like, when you watch a film like this. But he know, doesn't self-reflect. Yeah, well, and that's what we, we assume, and well, that's what the, the whole movie and the graphic novel series is, that this is his journey to finally being a, you know, as you said, an okay human being, or at least just okay. Yeah, and then from okay, then you can improve yourself from there, but at least you've got the substance of being understanding how your actions influence others. At least you're not right. shitty. Yeah. You're not in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> not, not many people are today either, which is great. No, not at all, obviously. Um, fuck Trump. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck him, fuck him till the cows come home. <laughs> That's what Oklahoma understands, right? I am yeah. from Nebraska. <laughs> Who's to say what is what anymore? <laughs> what is it? What is it until the until the, the corn gets gets back to the until the place? corn gets stocked, which right. sounds like gay sex. So <laughs> shout out to Wallace. <laughs> Wallace and the two or three guys that are in his bed every night. Um, Scott too. Yeah. <laughs> Again, another moment of just great filmmaking where the heads just keep popping up. <laughs> and <it's, laughs> yeah, hey. <laughs> We gotta right. talk off air about some things, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't want it on 
All right. Um, well, we'll take a break and we'll get back to talking about the other. We've talked about um, Scott certainly for a fair bit and um, his relationship. Yeah, I got questions for you. I'm excited, nervous. I got questions. I should probably write them down. <laughs> we are professional podcasters. Uh, <laughs> All right. We are pints of popcorn and we're here to sell out and uh, make bad music and stuff like that. And we'll be right back. <laughs> and then it was time. That guy on base, that's Todd. I know. You know? Oh no.
second half uh i'm about to crack the can on um the i ran through the beers at the start and i'm about to crack the porter the masala spice porter it's like a chai tea and a beer and shay's just double fisting or just no this is ramona oh oh yeah and she got hair like this this is what he says in the comic this is what she looks like yeah and she's got hair like this except she doesn't have blonde <laughs> <laughs> Just not 
I didn't get it enough or um but again I liked Mary Elizabeth Winstead so I was just like yeah fuck it yeah I understand <laughs> but um I it always and then reading the graphic novels recently, as you you uh, thankfully pointed out they're available online for us to have a look at I was just like yeah no there is so much here to her character and I can see why these graphic novels and the film and Edgar Wright writing it and the whole story is there it's just they didn't bring in just just didn't bring it again we talked about maybe if there was 10 or 20 minutes more in the film even if it was just still a singular film if they could have just brought this is about her even yeah like give me 20 minutes about her or like 10 or minutes just, about her. yeah just fleshing out some of these conversations where throughout. yeah where she's just bouncing back like because it's so much seems like scott pilgrim the whole film is so much from scott pilgrim's point of view that every conversation is kind of angled from him and you don't get enough of like Roman. well it is scott pilgrim versus the world yeah but, but yeah. in the graphic novels there is those moments of like where it is really like it's remote it's ramona's talking right now and we're listening to how she's seeing it and saying you know scott you're being a fucking idiot as you know and and uh, lesser words but or more more profoundly put in the graphic novels obviously but to you know boil it down so yeah that's that yeah i you said you had questions and i'm open to them um all right <laughs> uh yeah we'll start it to give a little, like, you know, just on the second end of the podcast, just to give it a, like, little structure, which uh, this isn't structure by any means, but I would just, like, maybe it does lead to structure, shake questions, and I'm writing that on the paper as <laughs> to I... To remember it for next time. Use. All right. So... Spice board is hitting. Who is Ramona's best ex? Ex. Oh, I like... don't know if I... Yeah, like the best of the exes as far as who they are as people. Or just Or just like as semantically. I don't know. I, I like um I'm blanking. I, have a I do question, this I do this well. every Who's the best ex? We'll just start with that. Yeah, I do this every fucking time I'm blank on a name. Um the lady X is who I would say I like her character the best and and egg. Egg and and <laughs> um, uh, Rock. That Ro- is a Ro- nice Roxy. Easter egg. Roxy is the her character name. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, she's the one that seems to like actually just be like I really was into like Lucas Lee is, a, seems like a douchebag. Um, really well played by Chris Evans. Um, pre Captain America, I think. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, he's had some great roles, and um, I've. I'm one of the few that seems to remember him and being great and not another teen movie as well, which is complete. Oh, I mean, yeah, well, hey, I'm going uh, yeah. to... I was got an American it. teen during that. Like, I, I still think it's one of my that. favorite satire moments in a film, like just the complete, like when they, they rip off um, 10 Things I Hate About You and he's singing Janie's Got a Gun. It's like, holy shit, Janie's Got a Gun. Yeah. <laughs> Tackle her and he just runs off. I'm just like, yeah. that's. Yeah, we will not be doing not another teen movie no. Next week, like we like last week, we talked about Scott Pilgrim, and then we <laughs> did it. But like, we're I not don't gonna, think we'll ever do. not no. another teen movie. I love not another teen movie too. I was in eighth grade when that came out, and it was a super important film to me. <laughs> and it was, I think, it's like the best parody film. It does, it, yeah. Um, yeah, we we're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna do that right now. We're not gonna do a podcast like, about wait, wait, yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, I want to talk about Scott. But yeah, Lucas Lucas Lee as an ex was just you know he's an he's a, he's an actor. He Chris Evans plays it really well when he's like when he reads that text and walks away. He's like, huh, it's hilarious. I was like, yeah, I fi- yeah. I was thinking about that. <laughs> I today. love that. 
Like it's like it, any any other movie podcast. that does like, that. I any I other, say that to myself all the time. Yeah, and any other movie tries that and does it like doesn't have the tone right. It's just like that's weird. But in this movie, it makes that's sense for a guy to just the camera just to be following him, being like that's hilarious, and just like it just the made sense. The way he says hilarious, yeah. I think about it every single day about stupid shit <laughs> of like like the dumbest shit that I would ever do, like just like. Cleaning like my stove top, and I'll just be like, or I'll be thinking about something. And I'm just like, that's hilarious, <laughs> and like it's in his voice. Yeah. Like that's how good he was in that role. And then um, what is it, Harry? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Cannibal. Who? The guy who plays three. Todd. Todd. Yeah. That's Brandon Routh. All right, whatever. He was Superman, right? Yes, he was the Superman before uh, uh, the other guy. Harry, right? Harry, whatever. Henry Cavill, yeah, that's the one. I'm, yeah. Yeah, whatever. They look exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah, it was I'm it was sorry. the Superman in the they real exactly the real the, the real it's failed the fa- Superman. It's just like it? the fact that uh, he was Superman uh, in the space. Jane he was plays a... the vegan police. Yeah, and he has an actor that looks exactly like him. <laughs> and and Clifton Collins Jr. is the other guy is. Great, like two two cat two actors that we know of pretty like the other vegan police guy. I don't know. I the first thing I thought of was West. Right. So what was your question to start this? Because <laughs> we got oh sorry you 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 asked me who was my favorite ex and I just started talking about the other right exes, favorite ex yeah. So okay. Matthew Patel Matthew Patel is forgettable um, beyond um, terrible being Again, a, being the first it one in the first act of the pod. It's not. The song is bad. Yeah, that's the that's the low point of the film, in my opinion. They fucked up with like making that a song. Yeah, like what the fuck are you doing? Um, so yeah, he's forgettable. Lucas Lee's hilarious. Um, uh, I was gonna say Chris Evans. Then you got you got Todd uh, as the vegan, which, um, yeah, he's great. And then we'll get back to Todd and uh, and envy and stuff in a moment, but we'll let, I'll let you get to your question. And then the the twins is like it's Katni and not I wasn't gonna try I was I was not gonna try it Katni and Nagi twins yeah um that was a great scene um you don't get much from great scene you don't don't get much from them obviously but um and then but yeah Roxy would be uh beyond actually look I'm forgetting about Gideon I love Jason Schwartzman so he's great but like fuck that I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. But yeah, but Roxy, I Roxy, I think is my page Roxy here. is my favorite X. All right, so there we go. Roxy is your favorite X. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Well, I got to go with um, X wise, and it will go with my second question. I think Todd is my favorite X. Right. Yeah, and that's a close one for me because, I mean, he's like his character is better than Roxy, I think. But then I, li- I like Roxy as part of the story better because there's like, like a little bit more. I mean, she literally explodes from an orgasm, so like <laughs> that's better than anybody else. That's anybody. That's better than anybody else's fate in it. So I guess that that moves me on to is just like it's a question that insists upon what we just talked about but it's well what's the best fight scene what's the best fight scene hmm it might i mean 
Yeah, it's hard, uh, right? I like the Gideon. This is how you know I do we actually, don't do, do pre-show prep. Yeah, I do actually like that. I do actually love the Gideon one at the end because um, you got because right. you've got knives in there as well. That does it for me. All right. She well, gets. She gets. She gets. By you're trying to hit it by true feelings. That's yeah, not I mean, where I was yeah. going at all. Yeah, no, I wanted to know your feelings about. Yeah, it. I. I mean, but without asking you prehand yeah. before the podcast. Yeah, no, I think, and you know, maybe it's because it's the the climax of the film has that um, that uh, importance to it, and it's also Scott's moment of growth in the film where he finally fucking figures shit out. And but I, yeah, I do enjoy that you get knives come in there and show. And that's a little bit of the graphic novel coming into it and showing her growth and showing her love to help out yeah. in the end. I mean, I agree. Yeah. Um, so it's not what I would pick, but yeah. it's what I, I was like. I agree. It's a good moment. So is your favorite the the vegans? Oh, it has to be the vegans. Yeah. It's the base battle. It has to be like that's yeah, that the is, that is actually the film. that is that is yeah that is pretty brilliant yeah. When they just go straight up, hey, we're gonna solo bases against each other. And like make bass an instrument that matters. Yeah. Like that's what mattered to me in this yeah, film. Good. We have your, your musician standpoint from it. So that's like good to hear. It's also insane that the clash at Demon Head, mm. their band is Brie Larson, who's Natalie. Yeah. Or uh, Envy, Envy. As, uh, as as the fans will know, but also Natalie mm-hmm. to Scott Pilgrim. A bass player, a guy playing bass, and a drummer. So it's a singer, bass player, and a drummer. Mm. And that's the entire bit. That's not succeeding at all. <laughs> <laughs> not, I don't care what pedals you have on that bass, which Scott Pilgrim uses all of the pedals that you can imagine and uses them well in and like i probably we probably won't get around to me asking you the best uh sex bomb song but no we will all yeah, right we, we get there. we got time so, we're, but, we're, we're he, only an hour but every the his best the sex bomb best songs have him playing a pedal for his bass which gets duct taped in the battle of the bands against the kadanagi twins which is like a little detail that you wouldn't recognize because a Rickenbacker bass is super sensitive. And the fact that like they got knocked over by the Cat and Yanagi twins and like he duct taped it back together and then they win that battle is very dope. And that's a Rickenbacker bass, which costs a lot of money to make. I was actually going to ask because I saw, I noticed the, the, the brand on there. I was like going to ask you about it because I, you know, I obviously am not a musician. So, um, yeah, is this film like really? Rickenbach. Yeah, is this is this film for you? Like, Have that removed. <laughs> I will forget Just about it. Punch so. my phone across my table. <laughs> nah, what's in all this podcast? Um, yeah, We're, well, let's we can talk about the songs now before we get into uh, well, it's on on the on the mind. Um, it is great. It is great. Like I love. Movies that have original music that is actually really fucking good that you can listen to out of context, like you know, just put on, put it in a playlist, um, and listen to, and just enjoy it. Um, as Shay spent <coughs> an entire high life. You didn't yeah. have to say that. No, I'm like, I've got to give the people. Like, We're digital. Uh, it's pints and popcorn. Okay. 
You just right. finished the book. I just finished it, but yeah, I thought about it a lot. I love this film. I love the music that was made for it mm-hmm. by Beck. Who Beck wrote a lot of the songs for um no, no. He definitely wrote yeah. that. If you listen to the soundtrack, he he wrote the mm. very same track that Michael Sarah plays where he just says Ramona and she says I can't wait till it's finished and then later in the soundtrack he has a track that is finished about Ramona. It's a ama- oh it's an amazing track. Mm. It's an actual love track. But it just shows how there's a lot of creative shit going into this movie that is really impressive. It just shows how like Oh, I can't. I don't even know how to put it into words. Which reminds me of being <laughs> twenty one. Which that? reminds me of being Scott Pilgrim. But like him, like playing a song for a girl. No, that just, just reminds like, me of. Um... And like him, just like being done with it and expecting her to be impressed. And it's like, yeah, I can't wait till it's done. And then going to listen to the soundtrack where Beck actually has a song yeah. called Ramona that is done and is just beautiful and it's like. I might dance my first dance at my wedding, which won't happen. And like, well, no, you need to make it happen because I want to be at this wedding now. Because oh, you'll yeah. be. I mean, if I'm not married by 35, we're having a party. <laughs> this is stupid. This is fucking pints and popcorn party. Yeah, it'd be like a 150th. I don't know. I don't know where we'll be at by that point, but. Um... Hopefully in the middle of the goddamn Atlantic or some shit. I don't even know. (laughs) Um, We are Shay Carlson. We're here to make you sad and think about death and stuff. (laughs) I it was you saying that you don't even know how to put it into words was a good. I was going to be a good segue into um, Envy Adams because she's like I don't know how to put it into words, but. Um, Brie Larson in a uh, role. Jesus Christ! Yeah, have her removed. Huh. I was just saying, have her removed, but like in a good way. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, but it makes sense to me. Okay, well, let, we'll go with that. Um, I, it's funny because when I saw this film, I didn't know who Brie Larson was, obviously, because I saw this film probably before she was even in. I think Twenty One Jump Street is the first thing I remember her in um, myself. Um, yeah, well, that had to be like twenty thirteen. Yeah. Um, time. She. I mean, she had been. I. Yeah, I discovered via like. Because I searched, does she sing? And I, people say, and she had like a fucking, she had a, she had an album and a music career at sixteen, which. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the song, like Clash of Demon Head, which Clash of Demon Head is a reference to a, a, a Nintendo game. Nintendo game from the late eighties. Um, not that I've ever played it, but another cool like little Easter egg in the film that just shows the depth. I'm of, sure that game, like it costs thousands of dollars to get now yeah probably especially if you get it in like in the box and it you, it works straight away right. having yeah, blow, yeah. blowing the cartridge and stuff um but that's where it comes from yeah but that song is uh i said i said it to you beforehand because i was watching it again because we were talking about the differences between the soundtrack version which was done by band metric i think but it doesn't have that yeah. it doesn't have that oh yeah start to the song um on the soundtrack which is actually just for me as far as part of the like filmmaking love of it like that oh the first time you see it yeah it's, it's just like they, they just balance that perfectly where it's like scott's conversation with ramona like that's todd and she's like i know and like he's like you know and every time they're saying a line that oh yeah is building in between each line they say 
And he's like, and yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh no. And then like it like it lights up Brie Larson's face and it's like, hello again. And like just, and it's just like, such a great just, building oh, moment. Yeah. Of, and the music's great and the building of the kind of tension. And like a great, again, like I think Michael Sarah and Mary Elizabeth Winstead actually have this great like awkwardness between them throughout the whole film, like as they're trying to yeah. figure shit out and like the looks between them in that moment. And yeah, but great music and Brie Larson in a role that it's kind of unrecognizable to how she is in a, as an actress now because she's very much known for absolutely. Um, she's got a like she's one of those actresses with a great warm smile, which you know she's an Academy Award winning actress for Room and and is a now a you know Captain Marvel, which is a big big step in you know progressing cinema to have some you know female superheroes would be nice for a change. So right, um, but you know like this film, she doesn't have like you know. Everyone knows the Brie Larson smile and stuff like that. She doesn't. Her character is so much. She's got that pouty envy thing um, in the film, and you know she's very much, you know, unrecognizable to a certain extent. You can tell it's her when you know who she is, but it's um a real, now yeah now but ten like, years later yeah. But you know she's yeah she's great in it and um a great little you know just the depth of acting talent in this film when you think back on it now and you know none of like Brie Larson's ironically probably the biggest one now, but um. Even then, just like so many great young talented actors, you know, we haven't even Aubrey Plaza in it as well, and she's fucking just unique as an actress herself because she's dead. She deadpans better than anyone. So, yeah, I mean, the acting overall, I just think they casted it perfectly, and then they just happened to cast it perfectly, and then those people tended to fall into roles that really matter. Yeah, you know. Especially, as you said, especially, because I'm from the Midwest, but whatever. <laughs> um, but Brie Larson really grew from this role. And obviously, Michael Sarah is Michael Sarah, and he's done great things. And same with Mary um, Winstead. Mm. Sorry, dropped Elizabeth. But um, yeah, there were great actors in this. But like, looking back on it, and I mean, the first time I saw this in where Brie Larson was, like, she played that role so perfectly. Like, yeah. she just seemed like the cool, like, it's weird looking back on it right now. And just being like, and like thinking she's less cool just because she's been a great actress in several things. Yeah. But like, her, like, playing that role back then, she just, like, seemed like this indie goddess. And like, in 2011, like, being an indie goddess was like, the only thing that would ever matter to me <laughs> and it makes sense that like that's super lame because i was nine years ago but like i mean that's honestly how i feel like it's like i had seen this girl in like in things before brie larson mm-hmm. um hadn't seen her like really crush any role but in this role she killed like the indie goddess and mm-hmm. like there are indie goddesses in the world that she I guarantee she based her performances on. And like, yeah. She fit the role perfectly. And I will forever have a crush on Envy Adams. Yeah. <laughs> and uh it's it's again as a note to the graphic novels and the depth of them, it's a it's I understand why her role was as it was in the film and it was very memorable. And the sequence with the fight and the vegan police and all that stuff, like, chicken's not vegan. It's fucking hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, but 
again, it's a thing about like, uh, if you could have had the film be two or three films, you would have got so much more of the envy because the, the envy backstory in the graphic novels is really great too. Um, or just like they, right? They and we fly, don't they fly, understand they, why Scott's a dickhead. Yeah, I don't think in the film. Yeah, and then like, and it shows like because their relationship, and, and it's like she cha- she changes a bit with it with her uh, music career too. But then she she kind of oh yeah, being she, famous. She has she has her own growth, and then the graphic novel she kind of comes back, and um, I think I might have mentioned it that she comes back to Scott, and she's like, I'm not like this, you know, I'm not this evil person you think I am. And then Scott just like says something stupid, and she just walks out, and then Scott like the next panel is him having a conversation. He's like, why is she the way she is? And it's still, obviously, before Scott's fully realized that it's partly him. Um, so right, and that happens in the film as well, I yeah. think. Because she says, oh, you just, like, kicked my boyfriend into whatever. And then he says, yeah, well, you kicked my heart in the ass, which is yeah. what Aubrey Plaza says to him earlier in the film. But it's like, well, you know, like, you think what she did to you uh, whatever. I like. I literally am not going to talk myself through this right now because yeah. I'm th- 31 years old <laughs> and I've been in my 20s and dealt with shit like that for a while. But it's like, you did this to me, so I'm going to do this to you. And so now we're even and now it's bullshit on one side. And it's just like, yeah, it fucking sucks. Looking back on it now, 10 years removed from being that age, it's fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But... It's what everybody has to go through, and it fucking sucks. Yeah, like, it's just how it goes. And that's what's fun about. <laughs> that's why this is a good film. Yeah, that's why, and especially as us as guys that have looked back on it, like we've we saw it when we were, you know, only a little bit older than the characters in the film, really. And now we're we've watched it again. I mean, we've watched it in between, but we've watched it again now with a focus on it for doing the podcast ten years after the fact. And you kind of look back, and you're like, "Yeah, I was." I can see those dickhead elements inside myself, and that's like what the film is and we talked at the start of the film about how while it is and the book yeah Yeah. and the the graphic novels certainly are very there's a lot of depth to them about his journey but we talked about at the start of the film uh, the podcast about how this film while we've watched it as having some fun and getting some you know having a break from some of the the darker things that are toiling in our minds with the way the world is at the moment this is the kind of film we watch to get away from that for a couple of hours but it is it is more than that it's not just a you know, mindless popcorn comedy flick. It's it's a real debt. That's what it is. It does make you think about those things. But in a in a, it makes you think about them. Not in a you know. You try to think of it. You know, there's a light-hearted way of trying to look at it and and find your growth in those characters and and see kind of part of yourselves in those moments and seeing. Yeah, I'm glad I'm out of that. Or hopefully you're out of it. And you know, it's it's really cool in that sense too. Um, and an underrated aspect of the flick too, I think. And part of what was misunderstood about it possibly from and why it may not have performed at the box office that well, because there were, there was a lot of reviews that just didn't understand it, um, which, you know, maybe that's part of the fact the film just didn't quite get enough of the graphic novels. I think it did the best job it could in two hours. I just don't think you know how to market this film. Yeah. And I think the film did the best job it could in two hours of doing everything. I think it's a great film. Yeah. I mean, like... What what the graphic novels do is just, is there's a lot to it, and, like, to get that into two hours, I think Edgar Wright did the absolute best job he could, and... I need a klaxon at some point for whenever I say brave filmmaking on this pod because I do it all the time. But it's uh, right through the collaborative process of this film. It's like it's really they went hard at going at what they wanted to do creatively as far as, you know, like even like the the um, when they do the 
you know, Wallace's apartment shot where it's got the little tags of like, this is Wallace's computer, this is Wallace's mirror. Yeah, it goes deeper yeah. in the book. Yeah, and the, and the graphic. Like they show it more. Yeah, but like all that kind of stuff is stuff that, you know, a lot of studios and, and people that with lesser testicular fortitude about getting the movie they want made done, they would shy away from that stuff, but they really just went at you know, making the film that was what it was meant to be to be as close to the heart of the graphic novels as possible. And that's right. Should, and that there should, have been, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to, I was just finishing by saying that should absolutely be commended while we are bringing up our issues with what we would have preferred storytelling wise. It's not to say that we don't enjoy what they, we, I, I genuinely think they they did the best job they could. If their, their mission was to do a two hour Scott Pilgrim movie that covered the entire series, this was the job they did. And that's like, I don't think you could do it better. It's just my only thing is like, I would have loved to see two or three movies or a, a two and a half hour movie instead. But then who knows? I'm, this is, I don't get paid a lot of money to do those things. That's why Edgar Wright's great. Cause he does that really well. So. Yeah, we will someday though. Yeah. And sure. we'll be good. I was thinking about it earlier and we'll talk off air about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I think it could have done two movies and it would have been better, mm. but I just don't think production companies knew how to handle it. And yeah. um, certainly since the fifth and sixth book weren't written by the time that they did it, you know, yeah, it forced their hands and that like that fucking sucks is like that forced the hand on what was um, going to happen regardless. But uh You know, I just like it's a it's a movie that I don't want to criticize. Yeah. Um, because I think I think all of that criticizing is such been... a sect of people that I grew up with. Yeah. And like, and I'm I'm very happy to see that. Like, you know, it's often obviously the reviews. Uh, most obviously, we'll get to the review stuff at the end of the pod, like we usually do um, now. But um, it was great to see. Besides the fact it was, you know, based on numbers, it was a box office flop to a certain extent. It is well known. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. It is still well reviewed, generally, and is quite a cult classic now. It's got a big, big fan base. Um, underground, like that's why I'm glad we're doing this podcast because I think it's still not widely known enough. People know the name, but they a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, I've heard of that movie, but I haven't seen it," because they don't know exactly. Like again, like probably like you and me, where at first it's like we saw, you know, when we saw it being released, it was like, "What is this?" Um, so it's, I also like like when it got released in 2010, like. There was hardly Netflix. There was hardly like. Well, there was Netflix, but you had to you had to wait by the fucking mail. You had to wait by the fucking mailbox. Yeah. Like, I thought about that earlier today. I was like, I was like, why didn't I watch this movie right when it came out? And I was like, oh, it's 2010. Like. Yeah, I mean that's just. What access did I have to it? It's not like we have now. Like that was a fucking decade ago. I think when I'm like Netflix streaming, like. I mean, I don't know when it came out, but I only I only heard about it when I moved to the US, which was <coughs> God, excuse me. COVID <laughs> was uh late Take it to Tulsa. Late two thousand <laughs> <laughs> Uh it was late two thousand nine that I moved to the US and like I I think I only heard of Netflix then because I moved there because it was you know, Netflix streaming only came to Australia in twenty fifteen. So it's like that's kind of the it's weird talking about a movie that came out in twenty ten. That is so new to us still, and especially visually, it looks like the kind of movie that could have come out yesterday. Um, 
Besides the fact that yeah, it's no very good. It, yeah. it it definitely captures that. It yeah. definitely captures the gaming aspect of it, which yeah. um is kind of, like and especially I don't even, even though think it's the not... comic book is that into the gaming aspect of it. Like you look at uh, like the frames where Knives asks Young Neil like what he plays in the band. Mm. In the in the film, he says like, "Well, it's hard. Like I play Zelda and you know Final Fantasy or whatever yeah. he says." But like in the book, he just says like, "Oh, I don't, you know, I play, you know, my little Game Boy yeah. or whatever." Yeah, I guess so it's, it's, like, it's there. It's just it, it, like the movie had to, I guess, again as part of the. Yeah, they placated video game fans more, and that's probably why a studio bought it is because they could tap into the. Well, again, it's ten years ago. It's, they're, pack, they're, packing, they're packing ago. six books into one, so all of the. You know so the video. Well, game, again, a couple video of the books didn't exist. Yeah, and, and well, yeah, but the, like what they knew was coming. They're packing all that nostalgic video game stuff that was probably a little bit more spread out and subtle in the books into a two-hour movie, so everything's going to be heightened as well. So that is part right. of it. You know, it's um yeah yeah. I love it. I agree. It's I a great it. flick, though. Yeah, it is, and I I, I yeah I can't recommend it enough because it's like it does. It's just so much fun. Like it was really good to watch a film that, like, because we've done a couple of, we've gone pretty heavy the last couple of weeks. Um, understandably so, because with everything going on. But we did, you know, it was really nice um, and fun just to take a, just to enjoy watching a film. I not that I don't, I enjoy every film I watch that is good, but like to enjoy a film and and be laughing and smiling through a film as well. Um, We're heavy blokes, you know. That's what we do. Yeah, like we care a lot and we care about a lot of things that you can't really like put into perspective i guess um and so we try to do that for multiple weeks but like we're also two white guys so it's like yeah and but but it is it was like you know part of that starting of this podcast was to do films that we just from all spectrums of, you know, films that you can, you know, have a beer and enjoy and some films you have a beer and think about and different different types of films. But this one was like, yeah, I I, I just love it. It's like, especially coming, I, and it's one that grows on you more as well. It's really fun. It kind of, I, I remember watching it when I was younger. I even remember watching it a few years back and thinking, God, is this going to be one of those movies that's just going to fade away from me as I get older? But uh, watching it again this week, it's like, no, it's it's better. Like, it's more fun. Like, I appreciate, like, now that I, not that I've always listened to music, but like, I, this week I especially found myself just enjoying the music just so fucking much. Like, we've already talked about the music, but I was like, just. I, Misty Cups! <laughs> Have that removed. Misty Cups! <laughs> Getting into the Misty Cups. Apparently, I told you last week that you 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 made that up, and then you told me that I'd made it up. So we're just going. Misty you Cups made up. it up, and we will talk off air about it. I'm not <laughs> going to walk you through it, but you made it up. No, yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. The one person I haven't we haven't talked about at great length yet, and we'll do this before we start finishing off with the review stuff. Uh, Jason Schwartzman's a guy I've already talked about at length on this pod before um, with our Rushmore pod back in episode three, I think. Um, call back, go back and listen to it if you haven't. Hey, you um, got the numbers. If you got the numbers, I got the time. So <laughs> let's. <go. laughs> but he was great in this, and I texted you, and I don't know if you. Oh. 
Uh, I texted you and was like, I feel like this is like Max Fisher if he didn't get the lessons he got in Rushmore. Because <laughs> he does that, the line when he goes, I spent two whole hours making this League of Exes. I'm like, that is right, exactly right, right, what... Right. Right. Like Max Fisher would just be like, "What club haven't I done yet? Oh, all the all the ladies that have wronged me. I'll make a club out of that. It'll take me two hours, and I will and I will sit there and say, I wrote a hit play. What have you done, guy? Like that is like that line to me. Like I was just like, that is Max Fisher as an adult with too much money who didn't learn any of the lessons from Rushmore. <laughs> and uh, I mean, but like having a degree from Rushmore maybe could have got him a record deal, and yeah. then he could have created himself into G Man in the Northeast scene. Which is very possible. I mean, you look, yeah, I mean, it's very possible. But Jason Schwartzman plays a smug dickhead really well. <laughs> and I love Jason Schwartzman. Like, I hate him in Rushmore and this film because he plays such a bad guy. Yeah. Because he is such, like, an awesome dude. And, like, he does make amazing music. Like, Coconut Records is fucking phenomenal i listened to a bunch and, of that again this week just because i watched rush more early my god coconut yeah. records dude i had an ex-girlfriend talk about evil exes she would definitely uh fit <laughs> under this uh this guy's but uh i had an evil ex that uh and again this is 2020 i'm not like she's not a bad person bad relationships are always going to exist but like we had talked about like first songs for our wedding mm-hmm. dance or at least i had sent her a song of it and it was slowly by coconut records which yeah. is i which i think is an amazing first dance song mm-hmm. but uh yeah so like i love jason schwartzman sorry I've been drinking, but it's hard to say his name. <laughs> it's like exactly the same. Jason Schwartzman. It's very, like, there's a lot of letters in there. But, uh, yeah, he just, he's really good at playing a bad guy, too, though. So, yeah, because he, he does this smug, like, the... He's you know, very smug in and, every and, and, he, and he's smart, and he's smart. Again, I talked about Brie Larson having a great smile earlier. Jason Schwartzman has a great... I'm not. I'm not trying to disparage Jason Schwartz in this way, but he has a great douchebag smile. Like when, it, he did. like at the start of Rushmore, when like you know they're like, oh, this this equation hasn't ever been um ever been fixed or whatever, you know. And then he brings down the paper and he's like, did somebody say my name? And he just looks around with that fucking shit eating grin. Right. Just like, yeah. That is like, and he does that same kind of grin in in Scott Pilgrim, where he's like, you know, he's you know on top of the world and thinks he's got Ramona. And well, in Scott Pilgrim, it's him chewing gum. It's yeah. like the way he chews gum is like intimidating. At least like going back on it. Like mm-hmm. now it's not, but like like looking at it, it's like it's such a good like I don't know if it was in the books, but um Edgar Wright, like making him chew gum repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Like it just it just makes him seem like he's above whoever he's talking to because it's like I don't care about you enough to spit out my gum. Like I'm literally just gonna chomp on this and just yeah, talk to you. Kind of like Donald so. Trump being on a te- uh, on his cell phone while people are talking about their struggles through COVID. Did that happen today? Oh, you haven't seen that video? That was like yesterday. Yeah, Trump was like, no, I don't want, I don't want to see it. I was just, no, I was just like making a joke about douchebags being douchebags about. The- I hate you. A gig is a gig is a gig is a gig. A gig is a gig is a gig is a gig. A gig is a gig is a gig is a gig. A gig is a gig is a gig is a gig. 
A gig is a gig is a gig is a gig. A gig. Way to get fired. <laughs> um, but yeah, Schwartzman was great. Like it's it's kind of like a great ending to a great film was to have him be the like, you know, he's not an actor. That's he's the perfect bad guy for this shit. He's yeah. like a like because it had what... to, because it had to be kind of a. Again, I'm. I feel like I'm just gonna. I'm shitting on Schwartzman, even though I'm not trying to. Like he's not like. It's not like it's fucking Brad Pitt muscled up being the bad guy. It's like, a like a a scrawny. Yeah, scrawny. it's you like basically yelling at me for our entire friendship right now because he's like a hipster douchebag, and it's basically. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. It's basically <laughs> you being like, "Yeah, you fucking idiot!" Like, God, you pulled hot chicks, but like, look at you, you fucking idiot you don't deserve them so I've you're never... a vegan now so now you'll be gone you know like uh, yeah, yeah. like i get it i get it uh, i don't blame you i've said none of those right. things just for the listeners i'm <laughs> <laughs> i was about to start singing a coconut record song but david and i just literally made eye contact yeah. Would have been weird. <laughs> it would have been weird. <laughs> All right. Let's get to uh, the. Uh, <laughs> I'm losing my mind as we go. We um, have to be longer than the actual film. No, point. we're like still half an hour off, which is scary because if we get to the like two hours. Jesus then, Christ. Be... Time flies when you're just a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, All right. So maybe I am Gideon. Goddamn. <laughs> So, my, so we already talked about best X. Oh, you got more questions. Scene. Let's get yeah, it. Shoot me a question. Well, I said best X, best fight scene. Yeah, yeah, we got and that. You're like pretty much like pooed on it. <laughs> Why? Well, I was like, I was like, if I picked a second, it would be yours. I think we would just be inverse on the question answers. I just think like the base scene is like. And to be fair, Todd. I kind of the forgot. The Todd it. scene is the best fight scene, in my yeah. opinion. To be fair, I when you asked that question, I was thinking about fight choreography and i just completely blanked on the base fight scene aspect of it which is again part of the you know i do love and we didn't talk about this for a second is that every single song in this film is bass driven yeah yeah which is like i I don't know if you as a i'm not gonna call you a non-musician but i'm gonna say like as someone who hasn't played instruments, I am a non-musician. I, like, yeah. do, I don't know if you would have uh, picked up on that. No, I like, like the, I listen. I I enjoy music, and I definitely I understand. Like, not that I've played it, nor have the understanding of writing and you know creating music, but I do enjoy and do enjoy the bass as an instrument to listen to. And I, I yeah, you'd certainly notice every song had like that bass strip, like you know, sex bob bombs. Like it was very much bass driven. Like all of the yeah. sex bob bomb is incredible incredibly i would fucking go see that band like i'd fucking be they're good i'd be keen as fuck bottom line all right let's bring it up see see him in the zoo bar question best sex bomb song oh yeah you were gonna bring that up uh i wasn't until right now look at it look at the paper (laughs) that's what i did it was lines it It was lines that led me there (laughs) I want to hear your favorite sex bomb song. Um, strangely, like Garbage Truck is the one I like listening to the most. Uh, yeah, I I don't know if it's they're a good band, obviously. Yeah, I'm not sitting there. I'm not sitting here as someone who's listened to like 
every song, you know, a bunch of times. So Garbage Truck's just the one that I like. Chuck, I like Chuck, singing it. Chuck. Yeah, <laughs> a gig is a gig is a gig is a gig. Yeah, let's talk about that line. Actually, fuck, fuck. Oh yeah, I completely forgot I was going to bring up that Mark Weber is a Port Adelaide fan. So power. All right, is that the lead singer? Stephen Stills. Yeah, he's a Port Adelaide fan in real life. All right, well, he yeah. needs to do something about his goddamn facial hair. He looks like a goddamn Australian. <laughs> but, <laughs> but a gig is a gig is a gig is a gig. Amazing line. Yeah. Which, if you've ever been in a band, extremely relatable, especially if you're 22 and your name is Steven Stills. Like, you're like, it's like Crosby, Stills, Nash, and whatever. And young Neil, and then you just like, and then you do the shit, and then you just do it, and then it's just very confusing. But it's just like Shay just wrote a song like the aliens in Arrival do, basically, is what is on paper. Right, and I'm like I'm pro- I I would assume I'm being plastered somewhere across the universe, across the universe, <laughs> but. The big thing. Oh god, now I'm looking at my notes. A gig which is, is a gig is scribbling. a gig is a gig. Is that what we were? A gig is a gig is a gig is a gig. Is a, is an amazing window into what it's like to be a mu- a struggling musician when you're in your early twenties or late teens. It doesn't matter. I mean your early twenties and your late teens are the exact same, even though they don't really seem the same. As is shown in Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. It's like there is this gigantic divide but it's also the same when you're in a band is that like a gig is a gig is a gig is a gig and all you want is like you want cool people to wear your t-shirt like yeah. that's the coolest <laughs> thing in the world to get. like i can't yeah you want that one complete yeah. i think this movie got a lot of things completely right but what it got the most right is just striving to be cool mm-hmm. when you're young and like when you're 22, like you think you're old enough, and now you're like embarrassed that you're not getting anywhere. But you're a fucking little kid. You're 22 years old. You want kids to wear your t-shirt? Well, like prove it for the next five years that you can do it. Yeah. And then the cool kids will wear your shirts. And then the kids who are 22, when you're 27, will be wearing your shirts, and they'll be saying you're cool. But like then you want the 27. 27- yeah, this movie did a really good job yeah. of painting the picture. And I, and this is a random, did. random question that is like completely like going yes. to literally came into my head. Can I still get a Vengeance t shirt? We did not have t shirts. I'm sorry. God damn it. I quit the band <laughs> before we could ever get that. Well, that's, but yeah. Um, Music's not dissimilar to uh, Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> you want cool people wearing your shirts. Yeah. And, like, when I was in that band, I wasn't old enough to enjoy to have it. people younger than me wearing our shirts. And, like, you don't want high schoolers wearing your shirts. I was 20, 21, 22, mm-hmm. kind of like the kids. And, and, again, looking back on this film, is they're kids. Yeah. Sex bomb is kids. Like Yeah, I mean you've got Kim still like 
you know, struggling. They're all 22. Yeah. I mean, they're all 22 years old. Like, whatever. That seems super old when you watch it when you're 20. Yeah. But you look back now, you're 32, I'm 31. It's like, motherfuckers don't know what they're talking about. And I think that's what the comic is about. When you really dive into the comic, I got the hiccups, son. (laughs) I will also point out that it um, doesn't come up in the film, but in the graphic novels, uh, Stephen Stills is also gay as well. So, Is he? Yeah, we were talking about it um, earlier about how Wallace is so out there as, and obviously in the... They he were, dates Aubrey Plaza in the film. Yeah, but he's, um, his character is gay and like, um, they say that he's a closet... Well, I like that. His film yeah, character... They, they, yeah. they actually say, say that his film character is closeted, um, so... But great character too. I was just wanted to point that out to anyone that may not have known. Not yeah, that, obviously being yeah. gay doesn't make him not a great character. Yeah, but uh, uh, like I, I did was, not know that. Yeah, that's so why I was just like it's something that I found while reading the novels. Is like you don't get that in the film, and um, that's kind of but they don't say either way. Like obviously, well, he's dating Ari Plaza. But they're kind of. I was thinking about, it, and they're kind of like it's like oh you're dating her again, right? Like it's like they're not like. Ha- they're, well, he puts his arm around her, and she just kind of like. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but um, I just obviously thought that was just like him being like again being in a band like you see your lead singer make yeah. mistake after mistake with those I can't even can't wait to talk to you off air about uh, the band um, yeah. <laughs> which you've already heard again but I'm gonna force you through it again not when we stop recording. <laughs> All right, well let's get to our review scores. Um, I'll read them out quickly here. It's, yeah, um, my, yeah, we got through my stuff. I, I think. We yeah, if you got any other questions best, in your scribbled lines, I'll take them. Best exes, best fight. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh wait, what was the your base fight? No, the base fight. What was your favorite? Sex, what was your favorite sex bubble song? Did we get there? Uh threshold. I yeah, think right. I think we mentioned. That, I think we mentioned that off air, but yeah, um, I can remember. I like threshold a lot. Um, I do also like the Garbage Truck song. Mm-hmm. But I do, again, I think we talked way off air before we even started this podcast. about. I, th- I do think the best song in the film is um, Black... Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Yeah, yeah, uh, the, the Clash of Demon Head, Brie Larson's band. Clash of Demon Head, again, which is a video game. Yeah. But um, Brie Larson singing, oh yeah... I think adding that onto the track that actually exists, um, yeah. I think that's the best track of the film. But also Beck singing Ramona and writing Ramona and Beck saying, actually them saying in the film of Michael Sarah playing it, I can't wait to see it until it's done. And so Beck has that little track on it and then Beck actually playing the song Ramona. Which is yeah. four minutes long. Um, it's an amazing track, and uh, yeah, yeah. It, they're all amazing tracks. So. Also, shout out to um, Cra- Crash and the Boys. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Crash, yeah, yeah. Crash and the Boys. Like I basically am Crash and the Boys. As uh, a human so being. sad, so very, very sad. <laughs> yeah, and you play a song that's like point four seconds. Yeah, it's like yeah. And I love, I love, yeah. I love, you know, um, Wallace shouting out like that sucks, and it's like, okay, we're gonna dedicate this song to you. It's we hate you, please die or whatever. And he's like, oh. and he just, grabs, yeah, yeah. And he grabs, and he grabs um, Stacy Pilgrim's at the time's boyfriend arm and goes, oh, I love this one. 
Again, another great. It's like, a good song. Yeah, and it Luke, but just yeah. just another great moment of the film. Just snappy writing, snappy editing, snappy feel, like cinema, like just the the cuts, the editing cuts between every little bit there is just. A, and again, like Kieran Culkin playing Wallace, it like is such a despisable person. After watching Succession, <laughs> so it's like fun to watch him be like such a dick as Wallace because in the books, like Wallace is. Wallace seems like better looking and like more to do than the Wallace in the film, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, but, but they, I, they, they with finding him, they found the right guy. I think because he's just oh, absolutely. Lots I of mean, fun, lots of Cook, fun. back then again, it was before Succession. Yeah. Um. All right, let's do these. Let's do these uh, review scores. We got. Let's so, do it. So seven and a half out of ten on IMDb. 82% Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 69% Metacritic, but 90%... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> uh, and 90% of Google users on the thumbs up, thumb down, enjoy the movie, which is a pretty... It's kind of, I think, the... Uh, to me, the 90% uh, user reviews being better than the Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic and even IMDb kind of sums up how the film was received uh, by critics versus uh, people that actually it was bad. Enjoy, enjoy it since, yeah, yeah. It's a cult film. Yeah. Now, I would say, um, you know, regardless, I'd probably give it in eighty-five. I guess I would. We have the first time that you've gone above this the Rotten Tomato score. And is ex- I would give it eighty-five. It's a solid B. And exactly I think, where I, I think am. it could be we, better. We yeah. we are on the same page. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's certainly not a ninety percent film to me. Um, it because I do have, you know, issues with just like what. Even though I think the film was done as well as it could be because of what I know from the graphic novels now, and just what I mean, I, he killed it yeah, on it. But, but uh, like, yeah. if we're gonna like give it a rate, like, yeah, I'm not gonna give it a goddamn ten just because like he hit the graphic novel out of the park i think he did a good job with the graphic novel but like, with what his limitations were which was flawed because of what we wanted to see in the film so yeah 85 right. like, 85 you seems... can't like sell this film to middle america yeah i hate to say it i'm from middle america but like that's you can't do it mm. but yeah wait so. this is the first time it'll be interesting to see how many times this happens but i'll keep record this is the first time that we've been the same i think Right. 85. Yeah, I, yeah, and I think we will be different um, a lot of times. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, that's why we do this. Yeah, and well, that's, that's why we started doing this, yeah. honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great, like, a film like this that you and I both love and we have such differing opinions about one of the main characters in Ramona. Like, we have, you know, we're really differing on her. But then, I don't like Ramona. But we both love the film. I want to talk off air about all right, well, we'll we'll do that. That makes me sound bad too, but like I do. No, because I know but what it will it'll probably be like one of our rambling conversations that isn't. That's the point of this podcast. Yeah, is what like that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um. Do you have anything else to say about it? Or are we pretty? You're pretty happy where we've covered what is one of our clearly one of our favorite films that makes us. I think it's underrated. Yeah, I will say that. I think yeah. it's it's under it's, an it's underrated underseen. Film. There's so many people that still haven't seen it, despite. I mean, we, we 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 get that from the fact it didn't make money at the box office, but still, even these days, if you bring up obscure films that you love, and Scott Pilgrim is probably one of them, just because it hasn't been seen enough. A lot of people just are like either ha- some people just 
frankly haven't heard of it or they're like oh yeah i've heard of it but i also just think like gen z is not gonna get it and yeah. gen z will be like it's one of the films that gen z will throw us under the bus for and i'm fine yeah. with it to be honest with you because i do think it represents millennials really well mm-hmm. and um yeah i'm proud of what like i'm like i'm proud of being a mullet fuck it's hard to say after a while i'm proud of being a millennial and like gen z will throw this movie against us i think and i will say like yeah there are a few problematic moments in it um but that's like when we look back on um there's some movies from the you know 70s 80s that classic that's not even what i'm talking about yeah yeah I, no, I, I mean, the like, shit that they're gonna call problematic is fucking bullshit because this is a good movie. But they're gonna like Gen Z is gonna call us out for this movie. Is like this is what you're into, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, this is fucking what we were into, and this is fucking dope. Who knows? It might opinion. it might surprise because like there's a there's a lot of people that are into you know going back like enjoying nostalgic video games and stuff. So it might actually get like you know people might enjoy that aspect of it too. We'll so, see. Yeah, we'll see. But, we'll see. Yeah, a great fun one that I'm a massive fan of, and um, so, you know, when we we're talking about it on the at the end of the LA Confidential Pod, how how it came up, I can't remember. But um, and we just decided on on air that we we're going to do it this week. I was like, oh, it'll be interesting to see what I think about it and how much we get out of it. But it was actually like rewarding to do it and like just dive into it this way because it ended up being yeah really fun week to just be researching and watching the film and all that stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a time capsule, in my opinion. So we'll see, and I and I can't wait until if I ever have kids, and I probably won't, but you'll have before me, and your kids will say like, "Dad, this is problematic," and you'll just be like, "Oh yeah, that's Uncle Shay's doing. He made me watch this film." <laughs> and it's like, yeah, 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 and so you and Andrea have an out. Um, you, with my you yeah, you will probably like, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. You will be like alibi for everything. You'll be like yeah, that's sh- yeah, you know Uncle Shay. <laughs> I'll take it. I don't have any brothers or nah, sisters, so that'll be that'll be yeah. That'll be down. They'll love you. Um, God, Andre's gonna listen to this. And be like what, what, what? I'm like no, we haven't decided that. <laughs> We're not making on air, like, I, we're not making know, on he's air. He's not decision. uncle at all. He's a uh, step. Uh, Except I don't, couldn't even figure it out. Like on Scott Pilgrim, he's the eighth life that you get, but you know you don't need that eighth life. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've tapped out on Scott Pilgrim. Um, another film that like every I could talk about that for fucking years too. Yeah. By the way, but uh, yeah, I think we did a good job. Yeah. It, like. Just like the film, there was a lot it was trying to pack in, and it's never enough. But it's done a great. The film did a great job, and I think we we tried to, you know, do justice to a film that we could we could spend hours more talking about. Where we've done, you know, an hour hour and forty five, and done a um, done a fair bit anyway. So, um, as with every film we do, it's always a film that even if we have, um, you know, issues with, we always it's something we enjoy and appreciate. So I'll crack this can and raise my pint to it. Um, another great film on the Pint Spot Blonde podcast, and. Uh, until next week, Shay, we'll uh, roll some film, pop some corn, and roll pour some pints. Milk and egg, eggs, bitch.
Just roll it away 